0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in Jesus' mighty name. What a precious time of worship and what a wonderful opportunity for every one of us to be worshipping God in the presence of God. He died on the cross for our sins and has made a way for us where there is no way that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and worship him. Last week, we were listening to a message called Better Together. And I believe today, even as I'm going to continue speaking on that message, God is going to speak to our hearts in a powerful way. As I've been preparing for the message itself, this word has spoken deeply into my heart. We saw last week how God believes that we are better together. God wants us to be together one with another. God wants us to be together with him. We saw scripture, Matthew's gospel, chapter 18 and verse 20. We saw for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. We saw how... When God saw around the Tower of Babel, where they were building the Tower of Babel, God said, if they have one language and they have one intent like this, nothing that they're planning is impossible uh, for them. Because God knew there's power in coming together. That the fruit of being together, serving together, working together, you know, focusing on the things of God together is so much more powerful than us doing things alone. Even in marriage, it's like that. Two is better than one, Jesus said in his word. That it yields a better reward for your labor in the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible says. So God believes in two. God believes in more than one working together. It's not always easy. It's not always the, the most pleasant experience. We will experience uh, being let down and being cheated and being betrayed and all of that. But God wants to transform our lives because God believes that two is better than one, and that's how it is in marriage, in ministry, and everything together. Nevertheless, we saw last week how there is pain in the ministry. We saw how there are challenges of pain in the ministry. People have all kinds of different uh, disappointments, and because of selfishness, and because of, you know, uh, because of divisions, and because of self-seeking and because of pride and because of unfair treatment and because of harsh words when we work together because we feel uh, you know we're doing the will of God and others are not doing the will of God so many reasons why there can be pain in the ministry but I believe that but there is not just pain in the ministry or pain when two three three people come together when God brings the church together not only is there pain but thirdly, there is a presence of God in the midst of our coming together. The Bible says in Matthew eighteen twenty, For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst, the Bible says. Where two or three are gathered together, God is saying, My presence is going to be in the midst. God is saying, If two or three agreeing together, if the body of Christ, if people within the church, even though it's hard, if you decide to come together, touching anything, God is saying, I promise you, I am going to come right in the midst of that. I'm going to be with you. Hallelujah. Everybody prays, God, will you not go with me? God, will you not be with me? Are you not for me? And I want you to know God is promising that he is in the midst of our togetherness. He is in the midst of a husband and wife coming together and saying, we're going to do life together. God's in the midst of that. And that is why God wants us to learn to take things to him in prayer. Look at some parts of the scripture. Firstly, the Bible says we're two or three. That's anything more than one. That's togetherness. Then it says, when we are gathered, that gathering is an intentional action. It is not an accidental happening. Where two or three are gathered together, which means God wants to make our gathering together an intentional action. Because God says, I want to be in the midst. So two or three, that's numbers, more than one, gathered together. That is gathered, that is an intentional action. Together, that is a heart is in this. You're gathering together in one heart, your heart is involved in it. There is a togetherness about it, there is an agreement about it. Then it goes on to say, gather together in my name. Which means that's in the name of Jesus, God is saying. He's saying, I'm I'm not talking about just any gathering, any mob coming together for any random reason. When two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says. Which means that is in godly order, under leadership, under God's leadership. When you're gathering together under God's leadership, can I ask you today? Is your marriage, when you are trying to sort out challenges in your marriage... Are you trying to gather together and sort it out under God's leadership? Or are you doing it carnally? Are you doing it in in a controlling manner? Are you doing it manipulating? Are you fighting one another? When the church, when you come together as a church, are you doing it under God's leadership? Are you doing it saying that God has brought us together? Or are you telling yourself, no, I came because I like the worship, or I came because I like the word, or I came because I like the community or the location. Uh, you know, in fact, I had someone tell me once, I come to your church because I like the church timing, uh, you know, works for me. So, is it because of some of these various reasons why people come together? Or is it because God wants us to be together as a part of this heavenly family? When we come together in His name, that is under godly leadership. The Bible says he is there, which means when two or three, more than one, gather intentionally together, which means there is, a, there is a heart inside of it, in his name that is under his leadership or in godly order. When there's a gathering in godly order, God is saying, I will come and dwell in your midst. Hallelujah. That is why in a godly marriage, God wants to be in the midst. That's why in a church that fears the Lord, God wants to be in the midst. That's why in people go, coming together in covenant partnerships, God wants to be in the midst. That's why when churches in the land come together, God wants to be in their midst. Malachi 3 and verse 16. In, uh, you know, the Bible says something very interesting. Malachi 3.16, this has been a scripture that's really intrigued my heart. Bible says then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened attentively and heard it. When the, those that feared the Lord spoke to one another, that means people that love God under God's leadership feared the Lord, those that passionately fear the Lord, when they were talking together, the Bible says God listened and God heard it. God paid attentive attention. He listened attentively and he heard it. God loves to listen. When two or three fear the Lord come together, God wants to listen. God loves to listen. God loves the partnership. God wants to know what His children are talking about so that He can answer them even as they call unto Him. There is a presence of God in our gathering together. When the feared, those that feared the Lord gathered together, there was a presence of God in the gathering together. Now in the Garden of Eden, We see that Satan started by dividing the family. You look in the Garden of Eden, there was actually a godly order, husband and wife, united in agape love, unconditional love, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, and they were under godly authority, under God's leadership. Now let's look at some of these scriptures in Genesis in chapter 3. Very interesting how Satan wants to first divide the family. He wants to divide your family. He wants to divide the church. He wants to divide the carousel. He wants to divide your uh, your your the departments you're working in. He wants to divide your team. Satan wants to divide and rule. The Bible says in, in Genesis 3 in verse 1 to 5, Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord had made. Serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, and he said to the woman, see, Satan always starts by attacking unity. The garden was great, the couple was great, the presence of God was great, but Satan went to attack the unity. And he said to the woman, the Bible says, which means he started with one person whom he knew he can deceive to not pay attention to unity. Whenever Satan wants to divide your family, he will look for one or the other person who at that point is not keenly paying attention to the need for togetherness. The person is more attentive to my need, my pain, my hurts, my, or I am right, or I am the husband, I am the head of the family, or I am the pastor, I am the leader. Rather than paying attention to God's utmost purpose is for us to be one. God's utmost purpose is for us to be together. And he said to the woman, which means Satan started with the person who was not aware of the importance of standing together. And said, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? You see, when Satan comes and attacks your togetherness, he first starts with confusing the instructions. He puts desire, he put desire in Eve's heart. You'll not die. Oh, you'll be like God. He put desire. He put deception In Eve's heart because he lied to her. He put deception and he put confusion in the heart. Oh, is it like that? Oh, really? Oh, God's not happy with, uh, you know, being in leadership. See, he puts desire, he puts deception and he puts confusion between people that God wants to stand together. Because there is power in togetherness. We are better together. But the devil tells you, you know, you're better off alone. You are better off alone. So what a lot of people do, you know, some people love to be among people. Other people are, they're introverting by nature. So the temptation is a greater challenge if you're introverted because you would want to naturally withdraw. You'd have a challenge being extroverted too because you'd naturally want to, you know, maybe argue or get... So every strength has its own weakness but if i'm an introverted person i get energized by withdrawing and so people tend to withdraw now the woman said to the serpent from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat but from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden god said you shall not eat from it or you shall not touch it for you will die actually what happens is the focus got shifted the woman opened her heart to deception she got proud she wanted to become like god she began And she began to have a wrong focus. What was the wrong focus? She started focusing on the command, rather than focusing on the togetherness. She started focusing on the command, don't eat of that tree, don't eat of that tree, rather than focusing on the importance of being together, because Satan wants to destroy our home. Satan wants to destroy our family. Satan wants to destroy our team. And so how important it is for us to be together. That the devil wants you to take your eyes of the main thing. He wants to take your eyes of the main thing. That you be together. God loves you so much. That the relationship with God was going to be remain there only in your togetherness. They had the wrong focus. Many times Satan makes us keep our eyes in the wrong focus. Oh Pastor didn't say that or he offended me or my wife offended me. My husband said that to me. Oh, he's such a low life. Or he's this, he's that. We forget that God said, and the two shall become one. God intends for our togetherness. We have the wrong focus. And serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will become like God, knowing good and evil satan said you will not die see when we don't guard what is entrusted in our hand we don't guard the most important thing when we're offended we don't even know at that point that we and our feelings are not the most important thing That guarding that togetherness is the most important thing when we are offended We don't mind a divorce. We don't mind a breaking away of families. We don't mind a a, a disconnecting from relationships that God has placed in our life. We don't mind it. But what do we do? We choose the immediate comfort of peace and, and quiet and away from tensions and struggle rather than having the longevity of the blessing of God's togetherness. So when we don't guard what is entrusted for our family, our children, Our team, when we don't guard this, our personal passion, our personal feeling, what I'm feeling today morning, I'm feeling unhappy. Our personal passions and feelings begin to take priority over a relationship with God. Because if I say over the commandments of God, again, we're going back to just the commandments. Our personal feelings and passions, we allow our feelings breach our relationship with God. And when we are breached with God, we are breached with man. When we are breached in our togetherness with God, Eve's togetherness with God was breached before her togetherness with man was breached. Her breached relationship with God straight away affected her relationship with the husband. Adam's breached relationship with God straight away affected his relationship with his wife. So if you're having a problem between husband and wife, people of God, I want you to know your spouse is not really the problem. It's a breached, unrepaired relationship with God. The Bible says, "And God is love." God wants you to guard it. God wants you to guard what is entrusted. And when you do that, you know that will not take a priority over a good, godly relationship. So Satan made them doubt the nature of God. He began to tell them, oh God, no, God knows you will actually, you know, your leader, God over there, he knows that you will be like him and either he's jealous, he doesn't want you to. He, You know, Satan begins to put thoughts in your mind because thoughts are the seeds to destroy your togetherness. That is why the Bible says, you know, strain every nerve to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Do everything possible. To maintain your unity of the spirit. Which means it won't come naturally. And then Satan will begin to sow seeds in your mind. And he'll tell you don't forgive that person. Keep harping on that. Keep reminding the person. Keep personally attacking. Keep criticizing. Keep lying about the person. And you know so that you can feel better and more self-righteous. And that is the strategy of the devil. That he wants you to doubt the, God's nature and people's nature. Division. In the Garden of Eden, started by doubting God's nature. And this is what Satan wants even today. When people start following God, that's because they trust him. And when people stop following God, it's because they begin to doubt him. Doubt actually opened Eve's heart to misunderstandings. To misgivings about her, the God whom she was supposed to be following, the God who created her. Doubt began to, lies began to open her heart to deception about the person she was in relationship with God. And her spirit was disconnected with God. When Satan wants to divide people, he first starts with attacking their nature with misinformation. Misinformation when I say misinformation, sometimes even facts are misinformation. For example, the fact is he forgot my birthday. What is the feeling? He doesn't love me. Now look at this. Look at the fact. The fact is he forgot my birthday. But the feeling is he doesn't love me. So when we when we begin to doubt the nature of somebody, we interpret the fact in a way based on how we are feeling. The fact is that he forgot my birthday, but the feeling is he doesn't love me. How did that fact have anything to do with this feeling? Because we connect the fact to the nature of the person. And then we begin to question the person's nature. You see, this is what devil wants us to do. God did answer my prayer. Oh, God doesn't love me. God did not do what I asked. Oh, God doesn't love me. My husband, my wife did not listen to what I wanted. Oh, they don't love me. We convert a fact into a gospel truth in our heart based on how much we trust the person's nature. The main cause of not being together, and especially I've seen people who who have chosen to even give their life up for the gospel. And many people, they leave God when God didn't answer their prayer. But there are, here are people who are giving up their life for the gospel and they, and they still have no issue with God. God didn't answer the prayer. In fact, they get killed for the gospel. They don't have an issue with God. Why? Because like in the scriptures say, for I know whom I have believed. For I know whom I have believed. They trust the nature of God. Satan wants you to distrust his nature. He wants, and it begins by misinformation. Making you distrust the nature of God. What are the main weapons Satan uses? He starts with lies. The main reasons why we uh, togetherness breaks down. Satan begins with lies. We're, lies are not always full lies. It's distorted truths, partial truths, partial lie, misinformation. Our unwillingness to pay careful attention to detail. Once you're offended. Oh, then then detail does not matter. Oh, I'm just offended. And so we don't want to pay careful attention to detail. Why? Because I'm hurt. I'm feeling. This is what I'm feeling. I think, you know, you, you don't care for me. So in place of paying careful attention to truth, we listen to the lies of the devil. And then we begin to doubt the character of the people that we're relating with. Oh, that sister? Oh, they call sister and all. I don't think they're brother or sisters uh, in the Lord. They are just liars and they're ungodly. and So then we begin to have fears. Oh, last time he hurt me, will he hurt me again? Last time he cheated me, will he cheat me again? Fears come in. Then why else do, don't do we want to be together? When fears come in our heart, then we don't want to be together because we want to be in control. We want to be in control of the circumstance. We don't want to be offended. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want people to talk about us. We want control. And then selfishness and lusts get inside our heart. We go to the church selfishly, we go to marriage selfishly, we go into relationships selfishly. What is in it for me? If I relate, if I connect to this person, how will I be blessed? We look to the church or to the marriage or to people around us as a consumer product. And if this they are not meeting my consumer demand, then I am not happy with this retailer. I'm not happy with this person that is giving it. You see, when when Eve was not happy with God's nature, she was not happy with the consumer demand of becoming like God and began to question the nature of God and now wanted to change the supplier. Wanted to change the supplier from God to Satan. Many of us don't know when we break the togetherness, we are changing the supplier we're changing the supplier from god being the source of our peace and our help to the to satan becoming the supplier pride comes in why don't we want to be together because we're just proud we're hurt why don't we want why don't we want to be together because we're impulsive we're reactive why don't we want to be together because we don't have discernment we don't know the right from wrong we're not able to think because we're feeling all kinds of things we don't want to have we don't want to be together because we don't know that god can be trusted We don't know when God said, don't eat of that fruit. We didn't know that God could be trusted. There are many times in my life, the Lord has told me, no, John, no, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't take that. Don't, don't, no. But I wanted to do it. But somewhere deep in my heart, I had to guard my togetherness with God more than my desire for things. I had to guard my togetherness with God. Now I begin to understand, God, God, I know you want me to be together with you. And so because I want to guard my relationship with you, God, I cannot do what I want to do. Because my relationship with you, the togetherness with you, God, is more important than what I want, is more important than what I'm feeling. Not more important than breaking relationship with my spouse, breaking relationship with my parents. More important, my relationship with you is more important than money, earning money. My relationship with you is more obeying you and being in the center of God's will is more important than all the things Satan offers me. He offers me the world. He offers me control. Satan offers me power. Satan offers me money. Satan offers me temporary happiness. But all these things are temporary. And then Satan asks us to pay it back with interest. He asks you for your blood. So not knowing that God is trustworthy causes us to become rebellious. We don't want to listen to him because we are ignorant. We are ignorant. We don't know the will of God. And because of that, we don't want to follow the vision from God. And finally, many times we don't want to stand together because we don't have godly leaders telling us the importance of standing together. We don't have godly examples in marriage that we can quickly see all around that remind us the importance of standing together. Today, church of God, I want to remind you, God is saying again and again, where two or three are gathered together. Think of the family prayer. Where two or three are gathered together, agreeing, touching anything. How powerful it is for a family to pray together. How powerful it is for a husband and wife to pray together. How powerful it is for the people of God to agree and pray together. The New Testament church understood what it meant to be together. When you look at the Bible, we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we see that, we, that there was a power in togethers. We see in verse 44, and all the believers were together, and they had all things in common. You see, when the church was planted, It started in togetherness. You think it didn't cost them to come together? There was a togetherness in sharing possession and giving to one another. The Bible says, and they would sell their property and possessions and share with all to the extent that anyone had need. There was a togetherness. Their need, they considered as the need of the family. Then the Bible says, day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple, there was a togetherness in gathering for worship. There was a togetherness, firstly, in sharing their wealth or their possessions. Then there was a togetherness in gathering together for worship. The need of the church was considered by, you know, the people considered, that's our family's need. Then the need to worship together was considered the family prayer of the church. Day by day, they gathered together for worship. And then the Bible says, and together they broke bread from house to house, which means there was a togetherness in communion. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart because they had togetherness in meals. They gathered together to eat food together. Day after day, they were becoming a family. Then for verse 47, it says praising God and having favor with all people. There was a togetherness in praise. They understood the power of praising God together. The spiritual atmosphere gets affected when you praise God together. There was a togetherness in praise the bible says and the lord was adding daily to their number those that were being saved which means there was a together in lifestyle they were together in accommodating more and more and more people you know people of god when god begins to when god begins to bring more people into our life we have to learn to accommodate them. It's not going to be easy. It's not easy for castle leaders to to shepherd the flock of God that is there among them. It's not easy. We will be, you know, inconvenienced. We will be disheartened sometimes. We will be cheated sometimes. We will be taken advantage of sometimes. But the people of God, they were willing to accommodate the life together. They were willing to accommodate it. The New Testament Christians were compelled by God's love. They just knew in their heart that God wanted them to love one another. They understood that they were better together. The church understood that they were better together than they were all alone. Believers, do you understand that God is telling you and me today that all of us, we are better together? We are actually better together because two is better than one. We are better together than being alone. We are better together than being withdrawn. We are better together even though togetherness has hurts and offenses and, and, and selfish people taking advantage of us. And togetherness has pain and sacrifice. And togetherness has all kinds of challenges. But togetherness has also concern and care. Togetherness has people praying for one another. Togetherness has people blessing one another. Togetherness has, uh, you know, people upholding one another in their time of need. Togetherness has people encouraging, using their gifts together. Togetherness has vision being pursued together. So much more can be achieved togetherness than what is taken away because of the pain of being together. So when we are together, we actually begin to do the one another life. God is looking out. God is getting us to look out for one another, people of God. God really wants us to look out for one another. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, Now when it came to Trous for the gospel of Christ, and when an open door was there for me in the Lord, the Bible says, I had no rest in my spirit, not finding my brother Titus. Paul is saying, I had no rest in my spirit because I didn't find my brother Titus. But saying goodbye to them, I went to Macedonia. He went looking for his brother Titus. Because he knew they were better together. He knew that teamwork was going to make the dream work. He knew that the brother, he could have thought, oh, maybe Titus is dead. Anyway, sooner or later, we're all going to die. But he knew that they were actually better together. Togetherness, people of God, standing together. Listen, listen, standing together is not a feeling. It's a command from God. God commands you and me, stand together. Couples, in marriages, listen to me. God commands you, stand for one another. Stand together. Look after the interests of one another. People are not able to talk with each other. Why? Because they're not able to look after the interests of one another. They're looking after their own interests, rather than the interests of one another. Together is not a feeling. It's a commandment. That's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, says like this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, and with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Being diligent, which means making every effort. Another translation says straining every nerve. Being diligent or making every effort or straining every nerve. To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what God wants you and me to do. God wants us. Can you think of that picture? Bible is saying, strain every nerve. Do everything possible in your strength to be together. If it is possible, if you have one ounce of strength left, fight to be together. Many times, Pastor Hannah and I, we have talked about this and we said... The only legitimate reason to fight is in our marriage that we fight to be one. God wants us to fight to be one. God wants us to fight to be one. That's what God wants us to do in your life and my life. I believe standing together has to be our highest priority. Standing together has to be our highest priority because if the devil gets a wedge... He's going to destroy that which God has planned, that God planned for you both, or for you all as a team, or as a church, or as a marriage. God planned for you to be better together. In John's Gospel 17, we see Jesus praying a high priestly prayer. I don't know how many of you are very familiar with that high priestly prayer at Gethsemane. You know when he prayed... Of everything Jesus could pray about. You know, this is the last dying moments of his life on earth. This is before he's going to die on the cross. Now he's praying the high priestly prayer to God. There were a million things Jesus could have prayed for. He could have prayed for, Lord, destroy these, these, these Pharisees, these horrible fellows. He could have prayed, Lord, kill all these soldiers, Roman soldiers that are. He could have prayed a million things. But he prayed like this He said, Lord, Father, I pray. Keep my disciples as one. Keep them as one. He says in John 17, 21 and 22. He said like this, Lord, I pray that they may be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. The power of togetherness is only in walking with God. Unless both parties walk with God, you cannot be together. If you are in a romantic relationship, you cannot be together forever unless both of you walk with God. If you are in a marriage, if you are on a team in a ministry, people are serving on teams and departments, you cannot stand together as one team unless you walk with God. Sometimes you say, no, if my leaders walk with God, then our team will be fine. No, unless you walk with God unless i walk with god we can never be together our togetherness is dependent on our walk with god father i pray that they might be one just as you father are in me and i'm in you that they may also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me verse 22 says the glory which you have given me i have also given them so that they may be one you know what that's powerful god is saying i have given the glory you gave me the glory you gave me i've given them that glory i have given them that anointing i have given them your nature i have given them your power so that they will do everything possible to be one together god's given you his holy ghost that you'll be one with your spouse. God's given you His Holy Ghost and His nature, that you might be one with your team, that the church might be one. Today, this togetherness is being challenged by the devil. He does not want you to walk in the glory that God has called you for. Listen, listen, people, people, listen. Togetherness is the true place Of God's glory. Togetherness. Is the true place. Of God's glory. And I really want you to know. God wants you and me to be. Together in that place. Walking under the glory. And the devil wants to destroy it. He wants to do everything possible. To destroy this togetherness. And he's asking us today. To prioritize. He's asking us to prioritize. And say he said. He tells you in your ear like this prioritize your life, you know, over, he wants you to, the devil tells you, he says, in your mind, you'll be thinking like this, I want to prioritize my life, over our life, I want to prioritize my space, over our space, I want to prioritize my work, over our work, and we often think, oh, this is not my work, rather than thinking, this is our vision, we end up prioritizing, my money over our money. How many times I've heard when people in marriages come and say, Pastor, uh, tell my wife that that's my money. Or tell my husband that, that he cannot use my money. They prioritize my money over our money. My space over our space. My children over our children. My church over our church. My vision over our vision. We end up prioritizing. The moment you allow anything to affect your togetherness, You have allowed everything to affect God's glory upon your life. Because God's glory comes down in the midst of your togetherness. God's glory comes down in the midst of your oneness. So if that's the case, God wants us to be together. If that's the case, God wants us to be one. Then how can we be one? I believe The keys to togetherness, the first key to togetherness is to love God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the first key to togetherness. If you love somebody, you will fight to be together. If you don't love somebody, you will fight to separate. When your feelings are telling you don't be together with them, love will tell you be together. Strain every nerve to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2 says that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. That their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. The only way your heart and my heart can be knit together with the people God has placed us with, our hearts not going to church, our hearts knit together with the family, church family. Our hearts not going back home every evening to your spouse, but our hearts being knit together with our spouse. The only way this is possible is when God pours His love. Colossians 3 verse 14 says like this, In addition to all these things, put on love. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity every time i read this verse i think about you know the the glue that's called quick fix in our in our part of the world you know it's like super glue and the bible is saying what is the super glue of your togetherness it is walking in love for god and when you walk in love for god that love Bible pour God pours into your heart, according to the Bible in Romans 5, 5, and that love begins to make you walk with God, and make you walk in that togetherness, that love for God, if you obey that first commandment, commandment one, love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor, so if you obey commandment one, then only you will be able to obey commandment two, if you can't love your neighbor, you can't love your team, you can't love your spouse, you can't love all this, that's because we're struggling to love God. If we love God, we will obey his commandments. That's what we would do. So agree to disagree. The second key to your togetherness is learning to agree with one another. Learning to agree with one another. Amos 3.3 says like this, Do two people walk together unless they agree? Now you might say, but we don't agree on these things. Listen, we have to agree to agree. Sometimes we have to even agree to disagree and continue to treat each other in love. You don't have to agree with everything to love somebody. Many times we say, I don't have feelings of love for you because we're fighting over everything. So what? You don't have to fight over everything. You can disagree over everything and still choose to love. Because love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is not connected to agreement. Now you might say, but if we don't you know, uh, love one another, if we don't agree on everything, how can we walk together? Yes, now that's the challenge, which means you've got to take that agreement to God. And then you've got to look at what is God asking? There are things that you may not agree about, and you will have to let that go. But one of the keys of togetherness is learning to agree. You don't have to have your way. You don't have control all the time. But there are many things. We may not agree. You know, many times when I call leaders together, I always have in the back of my mind, oh gosh, leaders coming together. Because, you know, if you have leaders, you have opinions. If you've got followers, you have yes men. But if you have leaders, you have opinions. And pe- leaders will give a hundred opinions. Uh, but I tell myself, i rather have leaders with opinions and learn to agree together than have yes men who lead me astray. Agreeing together does not mean there will not be differences. But agreeing together means in spite of our differences we learn that we are going to agree to be together we're going to agree to be together because agreeing together places being one being together as the highest goal higher than being right when i agree together with my spouse i am placing being one is a higher goal than being right. Today, people of God listening to me, are you trying to be right all the time? Or are you pushing to be one? Are you straining every nerve to be one? Agreeing together says that our cause is more important than being right in this conflict. Above our differences, our cause of being married is more important than being right. Our cause of being a church together is more important than being right. Our cause being a planting of the Lord is more important than having my own way. The third way we can walk together, better together, is to have a greater cause than the small visions that we have. To have a greater cause. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 3 says like this, Therefore if there be any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation, you know, he's saying, be of the same Spirit, of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit. I believe being united over one cause gives us a reason To be together. God brings people together. You know when God brought my wife and I together. I believe one of the reasons God brought my family together. Was to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Not just for fellowship for us companionship alone. Which is a great need. Which is a primary need. But not just for that. God brought us together. So that we can be a blessing to the body of Christ. And every day of our marriage. We are fighting for oneness. Because if the devil gets between that. He has gotten between the vision of God. He brought us together to have a generation that love God. And if he can divide that togetherness, then he can get right in between. He brings us together as a church to be one. Because if the devil can get between our togetherness, and you uphold the, you know, you wanting to be right or wanting to be understood and wanting to be agreed with above wanting to be one, the devil has just got right in between your togetherness. Work together as one, in one unity. And finally, I wanted to say, how do we be together? Make unity your key performance indicator when it comes to relationships. Make unity your key performance indicator. How is my, you know, how am I performing today? What's the indicator of my performance? Because Jesus said, when they're united, I will bring my glory there. God's glory will come down. In your togetherness. God's blessing in your togetherness. The world will know you're my disciples in your togetherness. That's your key performance indicator. That's your KPI. God wants you to keep your togetherness. Fight for it. Fight to be together. Because we are better together. As a church, we are better together. As a family, we are better together. As a nation, we are better together. As a body of Christ, we are better together. Fight to be one Make that your key performance indicator because God will come down in the midst of the people that are going to do what it takes to stand together. There's a blessing in dwelling together. Of course, I want you to know not only is God's presence going to be there in your midst, God says, I'm also going to bless you. If you stand together, I'm going to bless you. Psalm one hundred and thirty-three is is a common psalm we all know was one says, Behold, how good and blessed a thing it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil running down their head and run down the beard and Aaron's beard and the oil upon the edges of his robe. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon upon Mount Zion, for the Lord commands his blessing there. God has commanded the blessing, life evermore. Where has he commanded the blessing? In the brethren dwelling together in unity. Where is he? Where has he commanded the glory? In the unity. Where has he commanded the blessing? In the togetherness. In the oneness. Where has he commanded the anointing to flow? In the togetherness, in the oneness. So, if the anointing, if the blessing, if the glory, in the prosperity, if all these things Uh, Two are better than one for it earns a better reward for your labor that is better returns for your hard work, your prosperity. If your prosperity, your glory, your anointing, your blessing, your inheritance in all these things. If it is in your togetherness, then I don't understand why I would want to affect my blessing, anointing, glory, family, being together, everything. Why would I want that to be affected if I knew God has commanded it? in there so fight diligently people of God to be together fight diligently take time relationships take effort take time to be one put effort into it when you're discussing things put effort into becoming one so you come together saying my primary goal is to become one not to be right because God commanded his glory in becoming one not in being right put time into those relationships give time to the church to the people of God, to care for people, put effort into it, give time into it, give understanding into that, into your marriage, into give time to your marriage, give understanding, try to understand others rather than wanting to be understood. So many people withdraw and isolate because they want to be understood, that they're offended rather than understanding the facts of the matter. Give sacrifice, give sacrifice into that relationship because God wants to build that sacrifice. Give forgiveness because forgiveness is a cement of love. Give commitment into that relationship because God wants you to be built up in a mighty way by being together. So, as I close, here's a wonderful quote that really blessed my heart. This is a a quote said by Robert A. Calvert, and he says, The hindrances to unity. He says, God desires partnership, not independence. God desires engagement, not isolation. God desires cooperation, not competition. People of God, let me say that again. God desires partnership, not independence. God desires engagement, not isolation. God desires your cooperation, not your competition. So don't abandon the gathering together as a church. The Bible says in Hebrews 10:25, don't give up gathering together as a church as some are in the habit of doing. Don't abandon your togetherness. Don't abandon gathering together. If you are a family, don't abandon gathering for family prayer. If you are a church, don't forsake your gathering together as a church. As some are in the habit of doing, the Bible is saying. But encourage one another. The more you see the day drawing, encourage them to come together, to be one, to be together. And when you do that, I believe that the glory of God will come upon our togetherness. God bless you and do everything possible. Let's fight to be one. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.